3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be with my friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put this one in perspective. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. The market got decked today. Dow plummeting 4.33 points, S&P plunging 1.14%, NASDAQ nosediving 1.24%. But given the COVID surge and the collapse of President Biden's huge Build Back Better bill, I think it's a marvel we didn't take even more of a beating. And we were able to come back rather convincingly from the midday lows. The oddly named Build Back Better bill could have given the economy some much-needed stimulus. Perhaps something we need now that the Fed's tapping the brakes and the previous stimulus packages are well in the rearview mirror. The reign of COVID now in its Omicron phase, although Delta is very much still out there, is doing a number on our collective psyche, although you wouldn't know it from the Bafo Spider-Man box office numbers this very weekend. Before I go overboard saying things could have been worse, let me explain the less than precarious state we find ourselves in. Get that? Less than. This is a state where I think you need to stay the course, even doing some buying, as we did for my travel trust, where, of course, you can see all of our moves before we make them if you join the CBC Investing Club. Yep, I think this is a keep calm and carry on moment. I'm going to tell you why. First, by now, look, we're no strangers to COVID. Those of us who've chosen to embrace the fear going maximum vaccination now accept that it may not be enough to ward off the pandemic, this time in the form of the Omicron variant. I know I sure couldn't. I went to a party last week, Monday, a party filled with people who had negative PCR tests that very day, and I still caught it. I made the mistake of not wearing a mask. I let my guard down because everyone had been tested that very same day. So I felt secure. Why shouldn't I? What I didn't realize is the Omicron stream may be 70 times more contagious than Delta. That puts it in the same league as measles, where one kid would get it, and then the outbreak would spread to the whole class that same day. I didn't know I'd caught Omicron until Thursday. I like to use, well, the uh, Abbott's Binax Now test. And that morning I tested negative. Then I had a bit of laryngitis during the show, nothing new for me, as I typically lose my voice three or four times a year. But this time I stood down from Thursday night's taping and used a Binax Now to test myself. Well, sure enough, when the show concluded, There were these telltale two lines, and my heart sank. I mean, that's a genuine sample from this morning, and I knew what awaited me and feared for my terrific teammates until we get an all-clear. Fortunately, probably because I've had three Moderna doses, the last one being a full dose, the pain and tiredness and raw throat didn't last past Saturday. I've been on the road to recovery ever since. Thank you for all the well-wishers today. Unfortunately, I tested positively again today, so there's no return to the office. I feel terribly for those who are fighting for their lives from this disease, but I'm so grateful for the vaccines, even as I tire of telling people it's worth getting vaccinated. We may soon be in the you're on your own pal moment here where we all have to accept the personal risk. Although the unvaccinated who go to the hospital might not have taken that much needed bed if they had just gotten jabbed, they think I'm preaching. I think I'm teaching. However, if Omicron does become the dominant strain, and uh, many people think that could be a given, uh, then infected people, well, they can't tell when they've gotten sick. Unless we're all triple vaccinated, we may not be able to avoid another dangerous situation where the hospitals get overloaded. And that is the biggest concern at this point. Hospitalization. Forget the case numbers. They don't mean anything anymore. It's hospitalizations. Now, we'll have Dr. Eric Topol on the show later tonight. He is our favorite COVID expert. But in my uh, experience, as long as you've tri- you're triple vaccinated, getting Omicron may not be as hazardous to your health as you thought. That's a positive one that isn't baked into the averages. I like it. How about the future of Biden's massive spending bill? First, it was obvious this legislation was going nowhere for the off-year elections last month, so I'm not sure who's left to be surprised. The Democrats never had the votes to pass a major expansion of the social safety net, but a lot of people do seem surprised. So we'll treat this as real news. What, what's it mean for the market? We can call it a decidedly mixed blessing or maybe even a mixed curse. On the one hand, if there's anyone out there who still seriously cares about the budget deficit, they they got a lot less to be worried about. For Main Street, though, the collapse of this bill is a real pity because it could have helped a lot of people who are disenfranchised. It would have given the economy a boost, uh, but the economy is already a little overheated, so maybe that's not that positive. At the same time, there were some provisions in this thing that would have hurt particular industries. Pharma has to be happy because the government won't be using its heft to negotiate lower drug prices. That's why I've been recommending drug stocks. Stay tuned. I've got more on that later. Other industries are hurting them. The electric vehicle tax breaks are gone. Good for Tesla because they wouldn't qualify. But bad for the rest of the industry. And that group got crushed today. Solar stocks? Eh, also, another nasty session. So what do we do? First, yes, we do stay the course. No need to dump your stocks here. In fact, we added to our positions for my charitable trust. We got a lot of cash. We put some of it to work. Now, remember, we did some selling near the highs. We get you the bulletin so you know that. I'm not too worried because there's no systemic risk here. And even the non-systemic risk is something we've already dealt with. Second, we need to pick stocks opportunistically. This was day one of the sell off when everything goes down indiscriminately. Although you did get buyers of the consumer products companies coming in at the end of the day. That is not unusual. On day two, the slowdown star- stocks start to gain strength. Think healthcare and consumer packaged goods plays. So you might want to pick some of those up, and particularly in the healthcare category. That's what we were doing today. You also have to expect a rebound in some of the mega tech names which were some uh, the ones that bounced earliest last time we had COVID. More on that later. Their case will be bolstered by the great numbers from Micron that came after this close. I think that Micron's a good stock. You know I like the semis. You may even see it bounce, by the way, in some retail names tomorrow, because you know what? Wonder of wonders, Nike reported a good number tonight, too. Boy, that stock had been straight down. Third, remember that historically tomorrow marks the beginning of the Christmas rally. We talked about well Santa Claus, Christmas, I, ecumenical, whatever. That uh, You know, I don't mean to make some people call it the Santa Claus rally. Some people call it the Christmas rally. I'm trying to, to include, a, let's say, a melting pot here. And that's we're using Larry Williams, the legendary technician and market historian to help us. For the last 20 years, Santa Claus has showed up almost without fail. I know we've got some unique circumstances this year, but I wouldn't bet against the Santa Claus rallier. It's got very bad odds to bet against the rally or to bet against Larry Williams. Now, I don't think we've heard the last of the Build back better either. There will be another slimmed down version that moderate Democrats like Joe Manchin will be willing to endorse. Come on, it's Washington. They always figure it out. I mean, not to do it right. You've got to keep in mind that the Democrats have the narrowest possible margin in the Senate, which means it only takes one guy to hold the whole caucus hostage. I also believe that after Christmas, the port situation will be, uh, let's say, lessened and some raw costs will come down, making the market more palatable. Hey, by the way, oil came down big today. Now, I don't want to just say it's a bad market, like it's some sort of bad football team. It takes a very long time for a franchise to make a turn. Lots of good draft picks, some fresh coaches at the helm, a lot of luck. The stock market, on the other hand, can turn on a dime. So you need to be on the lookout for stories about how the Omicron strain isn't particularly damaging as long as you're vaccinated and boosted. The bottom line, as more people realize they won't have to go to the hospital or take a few days off if they get sick, again, assuming they've got their shots, I expect the market to be able to mount a comeback. Let's take some calls. Let's go to John in my home State, New Jersey. John.
2: Hi, Jim. I have a two-part question uh, for you regarding the fintech company SoFi. Uh, Given your expertise, when do you think the company will be approved
3: for the bank charter? And do you think it has bottomed out with the recent 40% decline? I think it's bottomed out because I think that they got rid of all those insider sellers. And I don't know exactly when the the, charter is going to come because the government's quite fickle. But I do think at these levels, SoFi at 14 is a buy. Let's go to Andrew in California. Andrew.
4: Yeah. Hey, Jim. Uh, one, I uh, hope you hope you're feeling better. Uh, my question I am. Is on thank on you so much running. for saying that. Yeah. My question is on on running. Uh, just had their best quarter ever. And it seems like everyone loves their shoes. Uh, given their stellar balance, sheet yes. and continued growth. Uh, do you have any reason to believe the stock shouldn't move any higher and any concerns with the high competition and athleisure market? And of course, the uh, ongoing supply chain challenges. Well, look, I think
3: this is a great question because what it says is that in another market before the Fed started uh, its decision to tighten, this would have been the one to own. Now we got to go with Nike. You've been up five from where it was after a terrific quarter this very evening. Now, I know it was a brutal day, but you know what? It could have been much worse. This is a keep calm and carry on moment. I think the market is going to bounce back because I think Santa is coming to town. He's going to give us a couple extra points. All man money tonight. Stocks slid today as I'm a fears intensify. What do we do? Well, we sit down with Dr. Eric Topol to help make sense of the COVID surge. Then kicking you off the new year with a breakup. I'm circling back to stocks that are splitting up to unlock value and telling you if they could be worth considering heading into 2022. And digital currencies have been around for a while now, but 2021 was the year the wider crypto world made its mark. I'm sitting down with a visionary in the space and, and by the way, and not an angry guy. FTX's Sam Bankman-Fried, not arrogant like the rest of the guys that I've had to interview about this. Uh, We're going to find out what the New Year means for the cryptocurrency. So stay with Kramer.
5: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question?
0: Visibility at indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed.
3: As the Omicron strain spreads like wildfire across the Northeast, something I know all too well because I caught it myself. The market's getting obliterated. I've been cautiously optimistic here, but this thing is incredibly contagious. Although the symptoms don't seem so bad as long as you've gotten your three doses of the vaccine. That's why tonight we need a COVID checkup with Dr. Eric Topol, True North, the fantastic cardiologist turned founder and current EVP of Scripps Research, who's become our most trusted source in the pandemic. Dr. Topol, welcome back to Mad Money.
1: Great to be with you, Jim.
3: All right, Doc, you know, I was the first thing I did when I found out I contracted it was to direct message you. And what I'm most concerned about is that can you help people understand that if they do get all three vaccinations, two plus the so-called booster, that perhaps if they do get Omicron, uh, maybe even Delta, I'm not sure, but Omicron, they may actually just experience a mild cold that lasts for a day or two.
1: Right. Well, With Delta, the three shots is at least 95% protected. So, I mean, Delta is not a challenge for a a three-shot vaccine. With Omicron, there's a lot of breakthroughs, five-fold more um, than there were for Delta. But as you said, and as you've experienced, Jim, those breakthroughs can be quite mild. And most of them have been reported to be pretty mild so far. Uh, So that's the the great news. Uh, It doesn't mean all of them are going to be mild. How have you been feeling?
3: Jeez, you know, thank you for asking. Uh, I actually I know this is going to sound strange. It's something you and I go back and forth about. But the third Moderna knocked me out far more than this uh, illness has. The third Moderna had me sleep for 24 straight hours. I had a terrible headache. I really couldn't lose it. Here, I had uh, a cough, a scratchy throat, but I would not have known if I had, had anything unless I had not taken my, uh, my Abbott Vinax now. Now, Dr. Topol, is that a, uh, am I a rarity or has that been the kind of norm? No,
1: that's actually pretty uh, standard right now for these breakthroughs with Omicron. Uh, almost invariably, we're not seeing the loss of smell and taste there's now lab studies that show that Omicron can't get into lung cells nearly as well as Delta and prior variants. So these are some hints that this could be a milder illness, not just from our immunity, like you have with the three shots, but also something intrinsic to the virus. But when it gets to the point, uh, Jim, when it's better to get an infection of the virus than it is to get uh, the reaction to a booster shot, that's a good sign. Uh, We're not there yet. Of course, Uh, there's still lots of uncertainties because we're going to see a really large numbers of new infections, as we're seeing in other parts of the world. And a fraction of those are going to be not mild. They're going to be severe. And we just don't know what that fraction is yet.
0: Right. Well, one
3: of the things that is worrisome to me is travel. And the theory here, why I'm concerned is the reason I, I, I contact trace how I got it. I went to an event. Everybody had to be PCR negative, PCR negative before the event. Uh, It turns out that there were people who were at my table who the next day tested positive. Had they been next to me on an airplane, they might have tested negative going on the plane. And then by the time I got to, let's say, to Spain or Italy, they might have come down with it. How do we control this thing if you're negative in the morning and positive in the afternoon?
1: Yeah, that's really a problem. And we're seeing that with Omicron. It, it picks up to infectiousness levels with the rapid test really fast. So if you do a screening, it needs to be you know immediately before. And they're not perfect. The The, the rapid tests are best when they're done in a serial manner. And then all of a sudden, now you have a, a change in the reading. Uh, so yeah, you're bringing up a, a, a real vulnerability. We can't fully rely on testing. And if we're going to use rapid tests, they got to be as close, proximal to the time and the event as possible, and that would include travel.
3: Right. Now, uh, I got the New Jersey uh, the Department of Health called today. They call everybody. And they told my wife, who's more infected than I am, frankly, but they said, listen, this thing is 70 times more contagious than Delta. And I don't know where, where they came up with that number. It's, but what that would say to me is, let's say you went to Madison Square Garden, 20,000 people and a lot of people had Omicron. Is it possible to be like when I was growing up or when you were growing up, when one kid had measles and then by the end of the day we all had measles?
1: Yeah, well, first it's not 70 times more because Delta is very contagious. But this virus takes advantage of not only the increased contagiousness, but this so-called immune escape because, you know, it just doesn't look enough like the prior versions of the virus. So when our immune system basically doesn't recognize it. And that's how it can spread so easily. That's really what's fueling a lot of this. But yes, the problem is you're in a room, you're in an indoor event, and it's going to spread. And uh, this is a real problem. That's why we still need to use masks, better masks, high quality. Uh, We don't want to get these infections because it's a roll of the dice right now. If we knew that everybody was going to have a mild infection, uh, that'd be great. But we don't know that at all the spread is akin to the, these other viruses that are notorious for spreading so easily.
3: Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because I had this wishful thinking to say, oh, my, if everybody had what I had, we would blow through this and the world would be a better place. Not just some sort of Pollyanna gobbledygook. I don't want to fall prey to that. Dr. Eric Topol, once again, you have been True North. I'm sorry if I, I, I made you my doctor after this, after getting sick. You're such a good man. EVP of Scripps Research. Wow. I love it when you're on the show. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, and I'm so glad you're doing well.
3: Thank you. Well, I am doing well, fortunately, because of people like Dr. Topol, who tell me not to worry and not to panic, but to be careful. Man, money's back in. Coming up,
5: will three big breakups give a new face to Pharma? Kramer explains what you can do to cash in on Biotech's new look next.
2: The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.
3: Last week, we sold off because of the Fed. Today, we sold off because of the Omicron strain and the failure of President Biden's huge spending bill to get passed. But even with this pullback ends, the market's not going back to normal. It's not going to happen. We're in a new world now, one where the Fed is no longer your friend. And that changes the kinds of stocks that can work. I keep telling you that in this environment, you want to bet on the tangible over the conceptual. Companies that actually make stuff, do things with real earnings, real dividends, and ideally real catalysts, not just the promise of those things many years down the road. In other words, you need stocks that are Fed-proof and with the Omicron strain exploding over the world, you also need them to be COVID-proof. Which brings me to Big Pharma. These are textbook safety stocks. When you're worried about a slowing economy, it makes a ton of sense to park your money in the drug stocks. It's always work because they do just fine regardless. You don't stop taking medication just because Jay Powell says he'll hit us with three rate hikes next year, although he didn't do that. And you definitely don't stop filling your prescriptions when COVID is raging. But it's my job to teach you how to identify winners. So I'm not really giving you a blanket endorsement of Big Pharma. I want to show you how to find the best ones. Right now, practically, the whole group is insanely cheap on an earnings basis to the point where a few drug companies have finally decided to take their fate into their own hands. And that's why Bash Health, GlaxoSmithKline, and Johnson & Johnson are all in the process of breaking themselves up in order to unlock value for their shareholders. And there is substantial value to unlock. So let's take these three big pharma breakups one by one. Let's start with Bash Health Companies, BHC. I like this one so much that we bought it today for the charitable trust. And we told you in the bullpen, they put it in the bullpen last week, right after we spoke to Joe Papa. but uh, you want more information, CNBC Investing, Investing Club has got it all. Now, Balsh has become the ultimate comeback story. This is the company formerly known as Valiant, which we hated, by the way. Yeah, that was that former roll-up that took on a mountain of debt in order to make endless acquisitions. It then collapsed under its own weight. When rates started rising in 2015, but as they were also running out of takeover targets, Valiant stock just got crushed. There was a ton of controversy over their shady business practices, and the management team got the boot. See you later. Then that's when the board brought in Joe Papa as chairman and CEO. Now, this guy's done a remarkable job of turning things around. In five years since he came on the show, he's paid off a huge chunk of debt, stabilized the business, settled the legal issues, and even fixed the business model to the point where Bausch now has positive organic growth again. Who would have thought that could happen? Then last year, quietly, he rolled out a plan to break up the company. First, he planned to spin off Bausch & Loam as an independent eye care business. Then this August, Papa said he'd be spinning off his Salta medical business, which is the aesthetic side. By the way, it's a pretty good aesthetic business, which uh, that left behind a pure play pharmaceutical company with some great gastrointestinal drugs. So how much could this thing be worth if you split it into three pieces? All right, let's do some back of the envelope math. Bausch intends to spin off salt and Medical early next year. This aesthetics business, still relatively small, had 219 million in sales through the first nine months of 2021. But they've also got fast growing, fast growth, and lots of devices to give people clear, smooth skin. I use one of them, and it's really pretty amazing. Uh, it, it's called Fraxel. It really hurts. Right now, the Salta division is growing at a 27% clip, and they should be able to generate $171.5 million in earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. That's real money. How much would the market pay for that? Well, if we value Salta like its pure, say, in-mode It'd be worth $5.15 billion, okay? Now, how about Bausch & Loam eye care business, really, which, remember, there's is the gold standard. We actually have a very good comparison here. Alcon, the Swiss eye care company, if you value Bausch & Loam like Alcon, it'd be worth $21 billion. I think it's actually better than Alcott. Finally, what about the remaining drug businesses that we left off after the spinner? Well, even if you assume it keeps being valued like Bausch Health, this would be a $6 billion business. I think that's incredibly conservative. Add it all up, and these three enterprises will be worth $32.3 billion. However, the company sells this mountain of debt, $21.9 billion worth. Subtract that, and you end up with a $10.4 billion sum of the parts valuation which is $29 per share. And that's roughly 17% higher than where the stock's trading right now, even after a big run for the stock today. Again, that's very conservative. JP Morgan published a piece arguing the stock could jump to the high th- high 30s. Whoa! Which makes perfect sense to me. We're buying this for the Chapel Trust precisely because we think $29 is the bear case. In reality, there should be a lot more upside. If you want to know uh, more, please check your club bulletins. We were extensive about it today. Right in the middle of the downturn is when we issue. We tried to not move the stock ourselves for heaven's sake. Now, next, there's the GlaxoSmithKline climate breakup, a little muddle. They've been working on this one for uh, three years. In 2019, Glaxo merged its consumer health business with Pfizer's consumer business, created an over-the-counter powerhouse, and said that within three years' time, it would spin off the unit. This summer, we finally got an update. Glaxo currently pays a big dividend that yields 5% a year, and everyone expected a big cut. Well, just a second. Management said they're only cutting it by 31%. Also gave you some encouraging sales and earnings projections for the next five years. Uh, i got to tell you, this one is so difficult to get your arms around, but the thing I like best about it, is that Elliott Management's in there, and they're a very smart but very tough hedge fund, and they want to bring in new leadership. Now, I don't know about that. I don't know if they're going to get their way, but these situations usually motivate management to deliver for shareholders. Still one more reason to like this. I think you can value 10% without much heavy lifting. Third, there's the uh, most quizzical, and that's the J&J breakup. Quizzical, because I didn't know they needed to break up. Like Glaxo, J&J wants to spin off its consumer health division as a separate company, leaving behind a best breed drug and medical device business. I'm a huge fan of Johnson & Johnson uh, and the breakup, I guess, because management favors it. But you need to be patient for this one because it could take, oh, let's say a year and a half to two years to, pay out, to play out. See, that's too long. That's why we went with Balsh for the uh, child trust. Uh, this one's just taking too long. J&J is one of the best drug businesses out there. But it's always underestimated because it's buried within a larger enterprise. Meanwhile, their medical device business is growing like a weed. If They can throw off the shackles of the consumer division. The remaining companies should get a higher price earnings multiple, maybe much higher. But the consumer business would also get a higher multiple as an independent company, too. J&J trades at 16 times next year's earnings. Clorox, Procter & Gamble, and Colgate, all of which I like, sell for north of 24 times earnings because the market value is consistency. And J&J's consumer business is at least as good as they are. Plus, I think it can use, it can bulletproof, uh, use its bulletproof balance sheet to act as a consolidator in the industry. Something it can't really do as long as it's buried within a larger company that would rather invest in drugs and medical technology. In the meantime, J&J is paying you to wait with the 2.5% yield. And I think the stock could get a boost as we learn more details about the breakup. And sometimes I wish, could we own all these from a charitable trust? It wouldn't be diversified, but this is a good one too. Of course, their COVID vaccine doesn't seem to be too effective against the Omicron strain. But I think that could give you some buying opportunities. We thought long and hard about whether to buy this one or Bausch or for the trust. Set it on Bausch because the breakup is happening sooner. But J&J should be great, too. You can't own them all, the boy, I sh- sure wish we could. Here's the bottom line. Going in next year, you want safety stocks with real earnings and real catalysts, which is why I like the three big pharma breakup stories. I like Balsh Health, which we own for the Channel Trust, like GlaxoSmithKline for maybe a four point tackle, and J&J for the next two years. Real good. Let's take some calls. Let's go to George in Florida. George.
5: Hi, Jim. How are you? Greetings from Florida.
3: George, I'm getting better every day. Oh, man, you lucky dog. What's going on?
5: Uh, I'm calling about a, a company that's called uh, Novavax, and that is an NVAX. Right. And they came out with the vaccine, and 90 percent effective, um, easier to store than Pfizer, and and has recently actually been approved uh, by the EU and the WHO. So just just trying to get your feelings on the company. Thank you.
3: Well. I think these stocks, I like Pfizer in this group. I listened to, uh, I, you know what, uh, they had uh, they, they had Stan Eck on the, uh, I'm sorry, Stan Eck on, on the uh, closing bell. I thought he sounded good, but I get, just decided that Pfizer's the only one of the vaccines. You don't really need any others right now. Um, so therefore, I think you ought to ring the red shirt. We have no offense. All right. We're in a new world, people. We need stocks with real earnings and real catalysts, too. That's why I like Bausch Health. I like GlaxoSmithKline, and J&J. Much more mad money yet. A few weeks ago, FTX's Sam Bankman-Fried offered Congress a crash course on crypto, and he did it politely. He's doing the same for Kramerica tonight. You're not going to want to miss my exclusive. Then nobody wants to think about buying stocks as the market gets steamrolled by yet another wave of COVID. That's exactly what you should be doing here. I'm offering up a list of potential players you're crazy if you miss it. And all your calls, rapid fire, in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. As we head into the end of the year, there's no escaping that the crypto complex has generated enormous gains for people. While the most prominent ones have all pulled back pretty substantially from their highs, there's still a huge year to date. It's been a giant year. This was the year when crypto went truly mainstream. Regular viewers know that I'm a huge fan of owning some Bitcoin or Ethereum for speculation. that's a bit of a hedge, too. But fundamentally, we're still at the learning stage when it comes to this stuff. That's why tonight we're going to educate ourselves with Sam Bankman-Fried. I can't believe he hasn't been on the show before. The founder and CEO of FTX, one of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchanges. Bankman-Fried is one of the faces of the industry, which is why he had to provide testimony to the House Financial Services Committee a couple of weeks ago. I read the testimony. It's pretty smart. So I will be doing the same thing for Craig America. Mr. Bankman-Fried, welcome to Mad Money. Well, thanks for having me. Well, Sam, I got to tell you, it's an honor to have you because I think you're pretty much a visionary. And I also think you're a person who understands... That some people, are, well, we're concerned. I mean, for instance, I'll give you a great example. I have Ethereum right now. I made it, candidly, I was always shared it with our viewers. I made a lot of money with Bitcoin. I want my bank, traditional bank, to take my Ethereum. They won't. Can I go to FTX to put my Ethereum?
4: Yeah, you can. You know, In addition to being an exchange, so a place where you can buy and sell Ethereum, it's also a place where you can hold Ethereum and other digital assets. You can earn interest on it. Um, and you can access it from mobile, from uh, website and everything else.
3: OK, now, when I read through your testimony, it's clear that you are not anti-regulation, but you do feel that this industry can pretty much regulate itself. And yet we know that there are scoundrels in the industry. Sam, you know, kind of like Gresham's law, the bad can drive out the good. How can you self-regulate or, or should you just actually say to the, say, CFTC, CFTC regulators?
4: I think it would make a ton of sense for you know some combination of CFTC and SEC to regulate the crypto industry. I think they're already markets regulators. A lot of the regulation, frankly, parts over pretty cleanly to the crypto ecosystem. There are a lot of pretty nasty points right now um, in the regulatory framework that I think have to be worked out around where various assets qualify. Um, but I, I think that at its core, you know, markets regulation by the CFTC, I think, asset issuance regulation by the SEC, make a ton of sense for the industry. Well,
3: that does make you a bit of an outlier. I think there's some people in the industry who basically enjoy the fact uh, that it's not regulated, which therefore makes it far more difficult for us old mainstream folks to want to go, go with it. Your proposal would make it so that billions, really billions of people around the world will want to want to be involved with crypto. How do you get yours to be the prevalent view?
4: Yeah, I mean, and that, that's, you know, a lot of the goal is how do we get from where we are today to a truly mainstream global industry that has the consumer protection and the trust that people have come used to. You know, I think that you, you have people going back and forth on like, this is a security, this isn't a security. Um, and it has really grave regulatory implications right now. Where we need to get to, I think, is a world in which we say, look, some of these things have properties that are like traditional equities or securities. Some of them have properties that are like commodities. Instead of arguing about exactly what classification they should have, let's make sure that the sort of regulatory oversight that needs to be there is there. Um, and that oversight that doesn't make sense isn't gumming up the industry. And so I think you look at asset issuances, right? Having kind of standard controls that you see, like with equities around the supply, the issuance, the burning of tokens would make a ton of sense. But, you know, not mandating that they fill out forms that one couldn't fill out as a decentralized token project. I think with stable points, having a oh, well, I- that they have what they say they have makes a lot of sense.
3: Well, do you think there's any chance that you could, uh, let's say, right be located in the United States? But right now, you're still offshore. If you came to the United States, I think that would help your legitimacy greatly.
4: I, yeah, totally agree. And you know, we have a U.S. entity. Um, we have a U.S. exchange that Americans can use, FTX US. Um, I'm in Washington D.C. every month or so, talking with uh, policymakers and regulators. You know, we might eventually see more of a unified framework between the U.S. regulatory ecosystem and the international regulatory ecosystem. Right now, both sides are still working out what it's going to look like. So I think we're a little ways away from that, but I absolutely would like to see those come and converge and allow for you know the same entities to be able to operate onshore and offshore.
3: Well, I totally agree. Now, Sam, one last question. I am concerned when I see, for instance, the... Uh, let's say, the cryptos that, I, that Robinhood, a lot of people Robin Robinhood are trading on. Uh, I see this Solana. I don't know it well. I see Doge. I wonder whether that my Ethereum or Bitcoin aren't hurt by the fact that a lot of people are getting taken in by what you and I may not think are real currencies. What do we do about the Doge? What do we do about the ones that are taking younger people's money and maybe not being uh, anything you and I think would be as legitimate
4: as what we talk about. Totally. So, you know, one side of this is you need to have competition, right? Like you don't want to just have, you know, regulars come in, choose the winner, choose the loser and, you know, force all of the market cap into things that might not make sense. On the other hand, um, you know, you want to make sure that people aren't just buying into complete scams or things like that. I don't think it's a trivial thing to balance this. I think what I'd say is that, you know, there should be a lot more transparency around what these assets do, right? If you want to list a token, uh, I think there should be, you know, a regulatory um, system of oversight here that says, look, list what the use cases of the token is, some statistics about its usage, um, you know, list what its history is, list, you know, who holds the tokens to the extent that they're large owners and things like that, um, so that at least you can have transparency about what the goal even is of some of these tokens. And I think what you would find then is that there's a huge, huge spectrum from some tokens, I think Solana is one example, that have incredible use cases and can be really, really useful in the future of the world. I think others that might make absolutely no sense and have, you know, they're nothing but a meme um, and, and sort of everything in between there. You know, in, in the end, I think transparency and making sure that there aren't outright scams or misstatements in a material way is probably the best thing that you can do there.
3: Well, Sam, I, I really got to thank you. I, you and I are of like minds about this. I wish more people listened to you. I think that this whole cryptocurrency issue would be, uh, let's say, do well by the transparency that you're talking about. You're, good, you're a good spokesperson for your organization and for the, uh, let's say, the entire uh, crypto world. Sam Bankman-Fried, the founder and CEO of FTX. Really great to have you on, Sam. I hope to have you back, OK? Of course, anytime. Everybody's yeah, back here for the break.
5: Coming up, a storm is coming. So give us a call. Kramer's got the answers to all your burning questions. The lightning round is next.
3: And it is time. It's on the lightning round program. That's forty-four props cars. you say? Then you are it, then bye 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 bye. Put in it and then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Skeet that. Tell the lightning round, because my am It's with Fred in New York. Fred. Hi, Jim. I would like your thoughts on uh, Eva. A E V A. It's a fairly new stock. Okay, now, true. But again, we are totally against companies that have no earnings. That was the clarion call, of what the Fed did. It's going to knock out some good stocks. I don't care. I got to be very careful here. So we're going to say no. Let's go to Sandra in Arkansas. Sandra.
4: Dr. Kramer, thank you. I've been watching you for years. Climbalder. And with your guidance, I've been able to retire earlier than planned. So thank you.
3: Yes. Yes. Tell that to but all those clowns in it- the mentions. column them on Twitter who don't have 10 seconds. 10 seconds for me, Will no matter it. what they do. Or 10 cents. Yeah, what's going on? But
4: this is lightning what, round. Let me name? get to it. A couple of weeks ago, I picked sure. up some shares of a stock that seems to check all the boxes. Low PE, high dividend, good balance sheet, but it just keeps going down. It's Enterprise Products Partners, ticker EPD.
3: I think, I think it's a very good company. It's going down in part because there are lots of people who own these master limited partnerships and they just keep selling them. I think it's a mistake to sell. I think that's the right to buy and I think you're in good company. Let's go to Bill in New York. Bill! Thanks for taking my call, Jim. I'd love to hear your thoughts on psychedelic biotech. Of course, Bill. Biotech. What's up? Hey, I'd love to hear your thoughts on psychedelic biotech compass pathways, ticker CMPS. Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's uh, it, It's against depression, and I know it makes sense. The problem is, once again, I am being very tough. If it doesn't have earnings uh, or the prospect of earnings very soon, I have to say no. Let's go to Mark in Wisconsin. Mark. Jim, uh, thank you for taking my call. Happy holidays and good health to you and yours. Thank you. Uh, I need to thank know you. if this stop is a, if this stock is a lump of coal or good milk and cookies. The uh, ticker symbol is DOMA. Trades on the NYSE. Name of the company's DOMA Holdings. Uh, lump of coal, most definitely. Let's go to Michael in California. Michael. Mr. Kramer, how are you? Michael. I am good. How about you?
4: I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, Just real quick, I wanted to get your thoughts on MGM Growth Properties, ticker MGT.
3: I like it. I think that with a 5.5% yield and some very good, uh, it's got very good cash flow. Uh, So I think you've got a winner and I would stick with it. Let's go to Santosh in New York. Santosh. Booyah, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Booyah. Booyah. What's up?
4: Because of the current COVID surge, what's your opinion on vaccine company Inovia Pharmaceuticals? Sticker I-N-O. No.
3: No. Came and went. Forget it. Stay away. Don't want to touch it. You shouldn't either. How about Marty in California? Marty. Yes, hello there, Jimmy. My stock is TPGY, Beneficial Finance Corp. Blank checks. No, that you no more blank checks. Yeah, and this has become, I have to understand, the world changed. The Fed has decided to go against the bulls. And I know, I cannot just continue to dig in my heels with companies that I think are going to lose people money. Because at one point, before the Fed decided to tighten, I may have liked it. I made a mistake. I have to move forward. That's just the same lessons of the investment club. Made a mistake. Explain the mistake. Move forward. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the lightning round.
5: The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, don't let another wave of COVID stop you from putting your money to work. This holiday season, Kramer's helping you game plan for any market. Next. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. You had positive things to say about ATT. I sent you this emoji. Pew.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, that was fabulous, David.
5: It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern.
6: You are super! You are
3: awesome! I'm a first-time investor. Thank you for
4: inspiring me to get in the game.
3: Your show is the best. I am so glad you're on TV. I want you
0: to know that you have transformed me. Thank you, Kramer.
3: As was clear from today, Nobody wants to think about buying stocks as the market gets steamrolled by yet another wave of COVID. That's exactly what you should be thinking about and doing here. What works at this point? Look at what happened in previous waves. Mega cap tech stocks were the ones that bounced back the fastest. It's been happening for years. Take fang that's our original acronym for Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, These stocks cratered and then rapidly recovered, rebounding far faster than most. Now, Netflix is easy to understand. If you go back to the peak on February 19th of 2020, right before things really unraveled, uh, Netflix plummeted from around 390 at its peak to around 290 at its lows in March. But then the stock bounced back and bounced back hard, breaking out the new highs by mid-April. I know history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. And that rhyme means Netflix could be a pretty good bet here, as are some of the video game plays, especially Take-Two and then NVIDIA. Because remember, that's the platform for almost all the good ones. Hey, how about Amazon? The online retail colossus fell from 2,170 to below 1,700, peaked the trough back then. It started making new highs again in the second week of April. I think the same thing could happen again augmented by some late holiday buying for those who are now afraid to shop in person thanks to the Omicron strain, which we know is growing pretty quickly. According to the New Jersey State Health Department, who called me today, this variant is 70 times more contagious than Delta, which makes me want to buy Amazon right here, right now. No one's talking about that. They're wrong. Google and Facebook took it much harder uh, during the original outbreak because they're so dependent on advertising. Their stocks both lost more than a third of their value. Then they didn't return to their highs until a few months later. Now you could say two out of four ain't bad. I'd say all four fag names can be bought because they're much cheaper than the high-flying tech stocks with no earnings that traded purely on sales that were so popular not that long ago. Or let me put it this way: We own three of them for the charitable trust: Alphabet, the artist formerly known as Google; Meta Platforms, the artist formerly known as Facebook; and Amazon, which is still Amazon, which is uh, making my life easier by the way by sticking by that original name. Now, you can follow the trust by joining the CBC in- Investing Club. We sent a bunch of notes today, uh, pretty fortunately at the bottom, to do some buying. More recently, we've taken to throwing Apple and Microsoft in with the original Fang gang. In 2020, Apple got cut almost in half, while Microsoft lost a quarter of its value. They were making new highs again that June. Most importantly, though, Fang plus Microsoft all bought and recovered long before the S&P 500 which took until August to climb its way back. Even better, FANG just kept chugging its way higher since then. Why is that? Because when you look at the makeup of these companies, they weren't all that impacted by COVID, except for Amazon and Netflix, which got a huge boost for the pandemic. It was insane that their stocks were down so much in the first place. And it's insane that they're selling off again, which is why I pushed them so hard Twice. Was on the street this morning. As for Apple and Microsoft, I think they'll hold up better during the initial Omicron carnage because they're benefiting from new product cycles and because the market's not going to crash like it did in early 2020. In the end, you have to recognize that big cap tech has many secular growth characteristics and the biggest ones also have terrific management, which is why I expect their stocks to bottom before the rest of the market and go higher. We don't have the stimulus now. We don't have the Fed helping us. But we do have a lot of money looking for a home. And Ang plus Microsoft make for some of the sturdiest homes around. As they get hit by the Omicron weakness, you've got my blessing to buy all six. It's that time. It can't be too early. can't be too late. It's just now. I'd like to say there's always a more market summer. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.